You are live with The App Show. It's Mike Agarbo here with John Peeler. We've got a great program. Our, uh, our show is all about the world of apps and mobile technology. So everything from uh, smart TVs, mobile phones, and everything that makes that whole world go. And on today's program, we've got some interesting stuff to talk about. We're going to be discussing Facebook. They're suing a company called Voyager Labs, which is a, a surveillance company that apparently has created tens of thousands of fake Facebook accounts to scrape Facebook for data that uh, they then uh, use to sell to police departments that try to predict when or where criminal activity might happen. Sounds like Minority Report. It totally does. So Facebook not happy with this, suing them. We're going to talk about some of the more uh, interesting details uh, of this story. Also, we're going to be talking about cell phone plans as we do. Uh, another story has come out saying that Canada's too expensive for cell phone bills. And uh, you just bought an interesting plan from Mint Mobile down in the U.S. for roaming. Yeah, this is something that's not available yet in Canada, but they had a, a deal that was just too good to pass up recently. Because you and I, we, we travel down to the U.S. It's not like a lot, but it's enough that if we roam, it costs us a fortune. And the roaming fees have just gone through the roof again. Yeah. You know, I, I think I'm uh, paying like $11 plus tax a day for roaming. Like a sucker. Like a sucker. And yeah, I, you know, honestly, I've paid my cell phone carrier thousands of dollars this year. Yeah. Because I, I do try the travel sims and stuff, but I still kind of need my number. You yeah. know what I mean? Because yeah. I'm getting business calls and stuff and it's killing me, John. Well... You'll have to stay tuned and listen to my little experience with Mint Mobile, and we'll talk more about these high cell phone prices. We're also going to talk about some of these ads on Facebook for stuff that sounds too good to be true. Back a little while ago, we covered uh, a cool interactive gaming table. It's like a giant iPad yeah. slash coffee table. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's like 34 inches. Yeah. It, beautiful. It's from a company called Arcade One Up. It's called their... Uh, infinity table it's expensive i think it goes for over a thousand dollars yeah i mean the the entry level one is like nine hundred dollars yeah so let's just say it's a thousand dollars well someone you know purchased a knockoff chinese one or or is trying to purchase one for 65 bucks yeah so confidence is not high that he'll get it no so we're going to talk about that because if it sounds too good to be true typically it is but we're going to dive a little bit deeper on that as well. Let's get into some of the, the mobile tech news uh, this week, John. Uh, this was kind of interesting. With all the stuff happening over in Ukraine with Russia, Belarus is tied into that as well, right? Because they're supporting Russia. Yeah. So Belarus has been hit by international <laughs> sanctions as well, cutting off everything. Technology, food, certain types of food, intellectual property. And so they've just passed a law making it legal to pirate copyrighted material. So that's like books, films, TV shows, software, video games. Because they aren't able to buy it legitimately. No. So if you live in Belarus, you're allowed to legally copy that stuff. However, there's a little catch there. I don't know if you caught this, John. You do have to pay a fee that goes into this account. And after three years, if the rights holders haven't been able to claim that, all that money goes to the Belarus government. <laughs> Were you surprised? No. No. 
I don't know how they would police that. I don't know how those rights holders are going to claim that. I'm sure it's a very bureaucratic process. It's not going to happen in a million years, John. Yeah. So, you know, unfortunately, Top Gun Maverick's not going to be getting their Belarusian (laughs) money. But it's, you know, piracy. We we talked a lot about it on, on the program. It'd be interesting to see the overall numbers. Just for TV and movies now. Well, it's interesting when you think about a country that's been cut off due to a war. Yes. And political nature. What the impacts are to those citizens, right? They're sitting around waiting for something to happen. Yeah. They can't get Netflix. No. Do they even have... They can't get ESPN or TSN or... Right. Yeah. NHL. And Belarus isn't actually in the war zone. No. So life has to go on for those people. It's an interesting problem. Well, they're going to solve it with piracy, John. (laughs) We've talked a lot about Twitter. Too much. Too much. But of course, we're going to talk about it again. Yeah. Uh, Big auctions happening (laughs) because they've cut their staff down to nothing. And as you can imagine, they're not going to need all the offices and office furniture, coffee makers. Apparently, they're not even paying rent in their building anymore. No. Yeah. So they have big, big auctions going on to sell this stuff. Yeah. This week they're, you know, you can get an $11,000 espresso machine that was once prominently used, according to some staff that I know, all the time at Twitter headquarters. Yeah. You have a, you have a, an acquaintance there that. Yeah. 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 He, he used, he was there from the beginning and then he's, he left a long time ago though. It was but he recognized some of the machines. Oh, yeah. It, 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 it's very trippy. And some of the stuff he actually requested for purchase for use in the office. There's a mixing board there because apparently a lot of bands liked Twitter. And they would come by. And so they wanted to be prepared for if a, if a band was to show up and want to do an impromptu concert for the Twitter staff, which did happen. No more concerts. No more concerts. No. But you can buy the mixing board that That's right. might have been used in, in those impromptu concerts. Artificial intelligence, growing leaps and bounds. We've talked about some of the image engines like midjourney.io. Stable Diffusion is another one, John. And one of the things that kind of wrapped into that whole world would be copyright of imagery. And there's a lawsuit happening as... There's a couple lawsuits. Yeah, and that's going to only continue. Yeah. So one of the lawsuits, Getty Images, famous for basically being a stock photography place to go to get images from the red carpet, from the Oscars or whatever, to landscapes and animals and just stock photos that you Someone need. holding up a muffin. Like anything you can imagine, you go to Getty on their website, you type it in, yeah. there's probably an image or even a video for it. But then you have to pay for that. Right. And depending on how you're using it, the, the fees can be very high. And it sounds like what's happened now is Getty is suing the makers of these uh, AI art creation programs because they licensed some of their works for for the purposes of training these uh, artificial intelligence systems, but not all of them. And it looks like these systems might have scraped the internet. And it got it's gotten to the point now when whenever some of these tools are being used, the AI will actually put an artificial watermark on the image because that's how it was trained on images that had watermarks on it. 
they're not recycling an old image. It just thinks that a, 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 an accurate image would have a watermark on it. Yes. And so... So that's kind of a faded little logo. So typically Getty images, you can download their images for free, yeah. but they've got that little Getty logo on there kind of faded in. Yeah. And it's in there until you pay for that image and download the, the clean version. Right. Yeah. So... So the, the AI engines think that's part of... Part of a, a legitimate photo or image. So yeah. does that mean they've been scraping... Well, that, some of these I, stock photography th and image is, sites. This is what Getty is hoping to, to prove prove in the, in the court of law. Yeah, yeah. And there's another lawsuit uh, from uh, a, a couple different. Actually, there's a couple websites that have uh, sort of repositories of art submitted by their users. Uh, DeviantArt is one. There's there's a few other ones where people can draw stuff, put it online, have these galleries. It's a good place to showcase if you're an illustrator, that type of thing. Well, of course, these um, systems were allowed to scrape all this content because it's on the internet. And in some cases, like on DeviantArt's uh, case, they actually allowed these AI engines to do this, much to the chagrin of all the artists Who's now they never signed up for that, never signed up for it, never opted into it. And now are being, you know, essentially these AI engines are copying the style of some unknown artist in Ohio that uploaded their stuff to the system. So there's almost like a class action lawsuit happening against, but uh, they're gonna have to prove that. I know. And it's gonna be very difficult, but so that's an important thing for listeners to understand. We are going to be talking like this year, especially AI is a huge story, artificial intelligence, everything from these image engines where you can type in, I want a cat dancing with a funny hat on and it'll just make it for you to chat GPT, which can write entire essays and stories and songs and code websites. They, they learn how to do that from data sets. They're input mass amounts of information. So in the image side, they are, I don't know where they're getting from. That's part of this lawsuit. They're inputting thousands, if not millions of images it's, so that the it's hundreds of millions of images. Yeah. So that the computer can understand what a horse looks like. Yeah. What a funny hat looks like. Yeah. It's kind of like our human brain. Like if I asked you to draw a horse right now, your brain is basically processing every time you've seen a horse, you might not be good at drawing it. No, but it's kind of the same thing. It, it absolutely is the same thing. Yeah. But and the computers are faster and, and can recall that better than us. Yeah. And they, they have, photographic memory yes in that sense which we we don't not everybody does. not not like a computer anyway no, no. so it, it is a very interesting kind of ethical question really like these these engines the chat gpts the mid journeys of the world they are going to be the next googles in the next 10 years there i feel some of these ai companies will be as big as like yeah google and they're doing it on the backs of data sets. And that is the million dollar or the trillion dollar question. Where are those data sets coming from? And are those places being compensated for that? Well, and then the, or the, can they on the flip side is you put it out there, you put it on the internet. That's on you. Yeah. Right. So, uh, don't assume that whatever binds your, uh, presentation layer on the internet is going to extend to everybody that's using that website. Well, speaking of data sets, we're going to have to take a break. Our next story is about Facebook suing Voyager Labs. This is a surveillance company that has basically scraped Facebook and users' data on Facebook to sell surveillance software to police departments that predict criminal activity. 
You are listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the App Show. It's Mike Eggerbo here with John Beeler. Continuing on the whole AI and data sets theme, we're going to talk now about Facebook. They are taking legal action against Voyager Labs. They are claiming that Voyager Labs created over 38,000 fake Facebook user accounts and used its surveillance software to gather data from Facebook and Instagram without authorization. Basically, scraping information from over 600,000 Facebook users between July 2022 and September 2022 for several months. That's like almost everybody. Yeah, there's like 2 billion active Facebook yeah. accounts from the last time I can remember. Right. But so that's a lot. Well, those are our public accounts too, right? Yeah. So a lot of people have their settings set so their stuff's all private. But don't assume it's private because you might have added a friend that looks like a friend that actually is one of these bots. So theoretically, your data can be used to help determine criminal activity. And that's what this company does, Voyager Labs. They take this data and they sell this service to law enforcement agencies. I think the LA Police Department yeah. had signed up for it. I don't know. And they got a lot of heat about it. Yeah. So the idea is using these social feeds, they, they try to predict if certain individuals, I guess, more predisposed to committing criminal acts. I don't know how accurate this could be. Well, we often see after a crime has been committed, especially, uh, you know, a shooting spree or something like that, the the evidence was already there on their Facebook accounts. Well, that's easy. Yeah, I mean... It's like, like sometimes, the, the, again, it's... Those are really high-profile, kind of isolated in the big criminal scheme of things. Right, but yeah. so it, it doesn't have to be... A, a mall shooting, for example, or, or a school shooting, it could be someone just having a, you know, a, a bad day because they got fired from their job and they're basically ranting on Facebook. Yeah. Like it doesn't take much. And, and some of those signs, especially when you're using AI to sort of look at it, to sort of connect some dots. But again, like we said off the top, this is very much like Minority Report. And potentially this is going to involve the police prematurely before something's actually happened. How do you feel about it? Well, like at, at, at my core, like I want the police department to be effective and fight crime. But at the same time, we're, this is a really slippery slope. Especially when you consider that this company used deceptive practices just to get this information. Correct. Because right. so, they wouldn't have been able to get it if they no. if they phoned up Facebook. Hey, uh, we want to scrape all of your Facebook users right. for our AI tool that may or may not be able to predict criminal trends. Yeah. And we've seen this before. You know, we know how this movie ends. Like the, with Tom Cruise. Right. Yeah. <laughs> not in a good way. <laughs> exactly. So what were they thinking was gonna happen? once it was found out. Well, we've seen every time when companies do this, they get caught. Right. Yeah. So where do they, like, where does this company go from here now? Exactly. Like it's, it's just, it makes no sense that this would be acceptable. You know, this is the, the case of like the police department that are getting this information. Well, where did you get this from? Yeah. Could, could that be used in court? 
Oh, we uh, determined that uh, he was potentially going to burn down that 7-Eleven. Right. Because he got a bad taquito. (laughs) Yes. But... But we don't know how they're making that determination, right? No. Like, to your point earlier in the conversation, you're saying there are some bad actors that after they've committed a heinous crime, like they've burned a church down or shot a bunch of people, you could go back in their social feeds and see... Yeah. Kind of a distinct pattern. The, as the to, signs were there. That yeah, they, these they, guys this, this guy was or girls are like off their rocker and yeah. something bad's going to happen. But I'd, I'd say that's a very small percentage of criminal activity right. in general. But it, it, it shouldn't be a criminal act to get this information, which is, sounds like what Facebook's accusing Voyager Labs of doing, is getting these things through deceitful practices, which shouldn't sit well with any police department that's using this information. It, but it's it's one of those things like like you said i get the need to do this i just don't like the way it's being done but you can't tell me that there's not not probably like a hundred other tools out there that are doing the same thing right now trying to find patterns well the tr- even facebook themselves are probably trying to get ahead of any problem people you know habitual commenters or you know people that post lots of hate but they're almost part of the problem though too facebook right because we've seen how social media has influenced elections yes and how just with and conspiracy theories because the algorithm just drags people deeper into these dark holes yeah kind of an echo chamber of what they already yeah think they believe I don't know. It kind of freaks me out. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back here on the app show, are cell phone bills too expensive in Canada? I'm sure we all have our opinions, but John's got a little story on how he's saving some money on roaming in the U.S. Back after this. You are back with the app show. Mike and John here. We cover this story to death. Cell phone bills are too high in Canada. Yeah. Everyone thinks that. Yeah. I do. I wish mine was zero. Well, We've got our cell phones, our, our personal bills are down pretty good. Yeah. But I've been able to get a decent plan down to, I think, 42 bucks a month. Yeah. But I, I mean, I've had to you hustle have to, my way. You have to do the work. That's yes. the thing that we keep saying is like, you can't just sit there and just accept whatever your phone company is. You're going to have to switch companies. Yeah. You're going to have to deal with the retention departments, loyalty departments, and just keep weaving your story, keep hustling to get that lower deal. Well... I came across uh, an interesting article, uh, Marketplace over in CBC. Uh, They did uh, an interesting story there. Uh, They were quoting uh, an independent telecom research firm called uh, Rowil, based in Finland. They publish uh, a report on mobile data pricing across 50 countries around the world, twice a year. And in its latest uh, publication, I think in May of last year, it ranked Canada among the most expensive countries (laughs) for wireless rates. Yeah, and everyone that comes here can't believe we pay what we do. Yeah, and again, the telecoms have gone through their reasons. We are a large country. Yes. It, and we do not have a large population. We don't, compared to like the, the U.S. The or prob- China. The or, problem is there just isn't enough competition because anytime there is a change to one of these plans, the change cascades across all the carriers. Yeah. Right? That's, that doesn't feel like competition. That feels like collusion. So they say that Canada's cost per gigabyte is seven times more expensive than in Australia, 25 times more than Ireland and France. Yeah. A thousand times more than Finland. Yeah. Most places in Europe for... But so the reason there, John, though, it's there's 
I forget how many people in Europe. It's over 300 million. Yeah. Higher than that. Probably closer to 400 million. I'm just using the Mike Agarbo yeah. brain right now. So, and then you've got all the separate countries yeah. that have their own telecoms, right? So yeah. there is an intent, and it's the European Union. There is an intense amount of competition happening there. Plus, you also have a lot of people consolidated in a very small region yeah. in larger urban centers. Yeah. So I can kind of get that. Can't you? Uh, kind of. I, I I agree with what you just said. I don't know if that is a... Uh, a, a, a story that the Canadian carers can keep banging drum on. But we don't have a lot of urban centers here for the amount of population we have. And then they've got to cover the entire, like, it's not like covering Ireland. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And we have mountains, <laughs> a lot of them. In Ireland, yeah, I love it there. They yeah. don't have the the terrain we do, right? Their towers can cover but there must a, be a wider, a longer range. Like, because these telecoms, they got to, for Whistler, they have towers up on the mountain. They got to get, you know, helicopters and stuff to put towers in mountains. And there must be other countries that have a similar similar terrain to us, that have a similar pricing scheme. And if they if there isn't, then we know that that's the problem. Okay, so let's get to your story, John. We travel down to the U.S. several times a year. A lot. Yeah. You and I go down at least probably once a once a month on average. Even just to go to Costco. But it's, it's killing me, John, because I'm traveling. I've got a nice trailer now. And, you know, I travel down to Oregon for a few weeks. Do you know how much that trip cost me between my wife and I? Because we didn't use our eSIMs pro- properly. It was <laughs> close to $1,000 in yeah. roaming. Yeah. Because we're getting charged 11 bucks a day each yeah. plus tax. Yeah. And it just, it almost killed me, John. Yeah. So one of the things that we, we talked about previously, and I'm still a big fan of, is using an eSIM for the destination country you're going an electronic to. sim so you don't get a physical one the new phones typically have that capability you can use an old-fashioned one yeah like a you know a physical one yeah. and they have a second electronic one well the nice thing with the electronic ones on pretty much any modern phone android or, or apple uh you can have at least 10 different e-sims installed at any given time so you can pick your providers you can pick your countries the one we we've used a lot is Arlo. Whenever I've been in the States, it's worked well. Uh, it's but you got to make sure to turn off your regular one. Well, the, the, the trick is just to turn off data roaming on your... I did that, but it, I got nailed anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Rogers. I, I, when, I was, when we were in CES in Las Vegas recently, I got a number of calls from Canada that I received, but because I had Wi-Fi calling turned on and I had data roaming turned off on my primary TELUS account, I didn't get charged because I technically wasn't using that service. I was using either the Wi-Fi or my Aerolo SIM. But recently, uh, you probably have seen uh, Ryan Reynolds on TV, if you watch anything in the US. Uh, with a, He's got his own cell phone company, Mint Mobile. It's not available in Canada. He's trying to bring it to Canada. But over the Christmas break and extending into January, they had a, a pretty crazy deal. It's their, their normal deal is four or f- four gigs of data, 5G or 4G, whichever is faster wherever you are, uh, unlimited calling, unlimited texting, for 15 bucks US a month. Not bad. That's it. That's all you pay. But it's a prepaid plan. You don't pay monthly. Monthly. You you have to prepay in advance. And so they had a promotion uh, in January uh, for you prepay for three months, so forty five dollars plus some, a little bit of tax, uh, 
you get an extra three months. So I got six months of that plan. For 45 US plus tax. It was, it was 50 US, 5001 or something like that was, was the total. Kind of like 10 bucks US a month. Pretty much, yeah. <sighs> yeah, so even if you go down for like a day, and you, 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 you activate your easy roam or roam from home or whatever your, your cell phone provider I mean, calls it. But that'd be brilliant because I live right by the border and I'm going across yeah. a lot. Yeah. And because it's an eSIM, I can actually have it living in uh, harmony with my TeleSIM. And you can even set it up if you have this, this plan, it'll automatically switch when you cross the border. So again, this isn't going to be for everybody. And I go there enough to justify spending but 65 John is better than the hell I'm paying now. Right. Like the roaming is killing me. Unfortunately, the deal is no longer on, but, but still, I I guess the thing is for listeners to look out for those. There's a lot of eSIM companies out there. Yeah. So shop around. Yeah. Um, they also have a deal where you can actually get a new cell phone from mint mobile and you get free service for three to six months, depending on the plan. You just pay a monthly fee to pay for the phone. But Canadians get in on that. I think so. I was able to do this in Canada. I was able to create my account, activate the account, and pay for it with a Canadian credit card, despite their website not accepting a uh, Canadian address. You can use, uh, I, I have a, a mail mailbox in, in the US, so I use that address. And then I was able to use Apple Pay to pay for it. So it was pretty good. Yeah. And I'm, I'm good now till like July, whenever I go to the States. You're golden. Yeah. We're going to have to take a break here on the app show. When we come back, be careful what you buy on Facebook. Does it sound too good to be true? It probably is. We're going to tell a ta- tell a tale of uh, online shopping that probably is not going to end up well. And a few tips on uh, how to get scammed or not get scammed. <laughs> you're not going to tell people how to scam people. No, how to not get scammed when you're shopping online. You're listening to the app show here on the Course Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with The App Show, Mike and John here. We're going to talk about online shopping. Now, everyone's doing it. Typically, you know, I think a lot of people would stick with names they know, like the Amazons of the world. There are some Chinese sites that have great deals, like uh, AliExpress, Alibaba. DHgate. DHgate, uh, Shine. Yep, Shein. Shein, Shine. Shine. What's that spelled? S-H-E-I-N. Yes. Yes. But God, there are thousands of other e-commerce sites. You're seeing the ads all over Facebook all the time. Or Instagram. Or Instagram for these cool shoes or tech items or clothing. You got to be careful though. Yeah. Because if you don't recognize the name of the store, the brand, and the price just seems like insane, it probably is insane and you're not going to get it. So we're bringing up the story because as I had mentioned in the intro, we had done uh, a review of Arcade One Up's Infinity Table. It's this awesome coffee table. It's a giant screen and you can play games like Scrabble and Monopoly, dozens of games and you can purchase more. John, was it your brother-in-law? My stepbrother. So he came across one very similar, a knockoff. Well, he thought it was cool because we're actually in the ad for it. Which is the other twist to this. Yeah. So this company in the ad has a video of this supposed table. And I guess he saw you. And you. And me. 
Yeah. So what they did helping is sell this. They they cobbled together a bunch of video reviews of this table to make it look like it was legitimate. And I don't remember getting compensated for that <laughs> that ad. Um, but my brother stepbrother thought it was really cool that I was in it. And I'm like, well, not not legitimately. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so the table, the real one sells for a thousand dollars. How yeah. much was this one? Sixty five. Okay. And so think about it. This is a giant LCD TV, essentially. Yes. That has a game computer built into it. And it's in the shape of a coffee table. Unless you're at like Value Village, you're not going to get a coffee table for 65 bucks. No. Let alone a giant TV screen. You couldn't even get a smaller tablet. No. For that. Maybe one of the Amazon tablets on sale. Or even a Raspberry Pi, which is a mini computer. Yeah. You'd be lucky to get... Yeah. 65 for just that. Yeah. And so you sent me that link. Yeah. And we look great, by the way. <laughs> uh, but I did a little search on that store. Yeah. I can't remember which one it was called. Batoncra? Can't, we can't even say it properly. No, no. And the reviews all basically say it's a scam site. Yeah. So you have to be careful because you're sticking in your credit card number. Yes. And so there's, there's two things you need to do. One is if you do buy something or that you've never received, stay on top of it, you know, set a reminder on your phone saying, Hey, I need to check my credit card to make sure that that uh, charge went through. And if I haven't got it within a certain amount of time, I need to follow up with the company. And if I don't get anything back from the company, then I can contact my credit card company and reverse the charge. I kind of fell for one of these scams a little a um, couple years ago. As you know, I like my hot tubs, and you've seen these like inflatable Coleman hot tubs. Yeah, they're they're, they're about five hundred, six hundred, seven, three three to five hundred dollars depending on where you okay. get it. And someone was selling one through an ad, and and to be very specific here, we're not talking Facebook Marketplace. We're talking the ads in your feed in Instagram or Facebook, not in mar Marketplace. Because you could probably get these types of things inexpensively, but they'd be used. Um, so I, I actually bought a uh, inflatable hot tub. It looked like it was that they were clearing out a warehouse or something. It seemed legitimate to me. I never got it. It was $99 that I'll never see again. And by the time I figured it all out and remembered that I had bought it, uh, the expiry had happened on getting my credit card to reverse the charges. So it's a numbers game for these scammers. Yeah. Because get in, get out. Uh, I think probably a good percentage of people will probably forget yes. and will not want to go through the hassle of and trying to get the embarrassment. Yeah. I was embarrassed about it. Like I shouldn't have bought that. I should have known better. Hot tub for a hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. But you never know, right? You never know. But that's what my stepbrother said too. Well, you know, it's 65 bucks. I'm going to risk it. I'm like, okay. But we were just back from Vegas. We risked money there too. <laughs> just totally, so. totally. I don't know. I, I'd rather put the $65 on black at the roulette table. Yeah. I, I would feel I'd have a better chance. I, I, I think you probably would. You'd probably get something. You'd at least get a drink out of it. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. So, so that's... I guess to the listeners out there, you're going to see these ads now. They're everywhere. Yeah. You, we're all using Facebook or Instagram or, or TikTok, maybe TikTok. And they're full of advertisements for these products. And yeah, eventually these scammers get caught and they get banned, yeah. but they just open up another account and, it's, it's and do this. Yeah. Just keep doing the same thing. Yeah. If it's too good to be true, it, it like 99% is 
yeah a scam so the first thing is like look the company up that's selling it do a search do some reviews well honestly that nine times out of ten that will expose yeah bad actors don't rely on the reviews on that website no because that's easily faked very easily faked especially on the site it's a little bit more genuine on amazon there's still some fake reviews on amazon but at least they're mixed in with some actual reviews. Well, the nice thing about Amazon, they have verified purchases as well. Yes. And you can probably return it quite easily. That's the nice thing about like the Amazons of the world. Yeah. Where I think Walmart has a marketplace. Well, the other sort of litmus test is whatever this product is, hot tub, games table, whatever, just go on Amazon and look up that product and see if it's there and see what the actual price is. Chances are it's not going to be that cheap. No. But you can at least try it and return it if you don't like it. Yeah, that's, you got to have that comfort, right? Yeah. And that security, that protection. Okay, we are going to have to take a break. When we come back, a little more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with the App Show. Just a a quick alert out to uh, users of Norton LifeLock. Kind of like a a password manager. Yeah, a little bit of everything. Uh, They, you know, LifeLock's been around for a long time and Norton's been around for a long time. And they basically have announced that they had some criminal activity happening in December and thousands of their accounts were compromised, which is not good. I think over 6,000 customer accounts. So they would have access to all your passwords for different sites. So, but it, it is important to say though, and this is something listeners have to be aware of, this this attack on Norton LifeLock basically was called a credential stuffing attack. So the hackers used previously exposed or breached credentials. So they found your, your username and password from attacking another website somewhere. They got that. And then they started using that across a yeah. bunch of different sites to see if you're using the same password on all these different sites, which a large number of people do. So because of that, they were able to get into Norton LifeLock. Yes. So it's not like they brute forced their way in. No. And they didn't get the entire database of all their no. customers, just the customers that had weak security and didn't have two-factor authentication enabled. So that's so important. Two-factor authentication you know, gets rid of that problem in most cases, right? So two-factor authentication, again, is when you are logging in, so say, for example, into your, your bank website, uh, and you have two-factor authentication turned on, yes, you can log in because you've got your username and password, but then the bank will then send a message, a text message, for example, to your cell phone, wanting you to verify that it's you. They'll and send you a code that you've got to put into the website. And even, even better, they'll send it to the app. So you actually have to be logged into the app to get that. It's called a push notification. It's more secure than the text message. Super important that you have that turned on. Yes. Want to thank all the folks that helped put the show together, John and Robin. Don't forget to visit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. We've got uh, the podcast and radio versions of this program and also our sister show, Get Connected, and lots of great uh, videos, how-tos, tips and tricks, and the latest tech product reviews. It's Mike Agarbo and John Beeler signing off. We'll see you again next time.